Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Congressman Jake Offenclose, thanks for joining us. Congressman, uh, was this a mistake to push Kevin McCarthy out, uh, given that you may have been better off with the devil you knew than the devil you don't? What if you get Jim Jordan later today? Uh, I imagine that would be untenable for you and other Democrats. Democrats didn't push Kevin McCarthy out. Republicans pushed Kevin McCarthy out. And they are now doubling down on their extremism and dysfunction. As we saw this spring with the debt limit deal, as we saw this summer with Ukraine aid, as we saw this fall with the continuing resolution to keep funding the government, Democrats are ready, willing, and able to extend a hand of bipartisanship to govern. But Republicans have to fix themselves and take that hand and move forward for the American people. Well, the majority of Democrats voted to oust Kevin McCarthy with that eight gang of eight uh, Republicans who joined and made it happen. But the point I'm trying to make is, uh, are you bet were you better off with Kevin McCarthy? I mean, if you get Jim Jordan, was wasn't that a mistake to begin with? It's not a question of whether. Republicans or Democrats are better off. It's a question of whether the American people are better off. It's a question about whether our allies in Ukraine and Israel are better off. And what they're better off with is a functioning bipartisan governance template for the House of Representatives. And what that means is the House GOP needs to jettison its extremists and it needs to uh, change its rules that give veto power to people like Matt Gates. Do you expect Jim Jordan to get across the finish line? Or what, are, what are you hearing? Are you hearing someone else in the wings, a name we haven't heard yet? Is there a compromise candidate? What do you expect to happen at 11 o'clock today? I don't know whether Jim Jordan's vote tally is going to go up or down. What I do know is that this week we're going to find out whether moderate Republicans still exist in this chamber. I am seeing uh, Republicans who style themselves as traditional institutionalists voting for an individual who was an architect of the insurrection on January 6th, who is ignoring a subpoena from Congress illegally and who is in favor of a nationwide abortion ban with no exceptions for rape, incest, or life of the mother. This is an extremist, and a vote for him is a vote for extremism and against the Constitution. Congressman, let's move to Israel. The president is in Israel as we speak. Uh, and the plan is not going as outlined. It's, it, he is not meeting with the president of, of Egypt. He is not meeting with the king of Jordan. Uh, he is not meeting with the Palestinian leader Mahmoud Abbas. What is the president doing over there? Was this a trip worth making? Yes, it is. This president is doing what strong leaders do, which is putting themselves at the center of action. He is uh, sending a message not just of military and diplomatic support for our closest ally in the Middle East. He is sending a message of moral clarity. Israel was attacked by terrorists its women, children, and elders massacred and taken hostage. And the United States has a responsibility to stand with Israel as it protects its homeland and defends its citizens. The liberal end of your party is calling for a ceasefire, a de-escalation, and uh, the, for the U.S. to take in uh, many, many refugees. Where do you stand on those three, on those three points? Uh, the squad, Democrats, are saying ceasefire and take the Palestinian refugees in. You say what? The leader of the Democratic Party, Joe Biden, is standing with Israel in its moment of peril. He has vaulted himself into the ranks of Harry Truman as American presidents who have been most supportive uh, for Israel in its moments of greatest need. There are 
outlier voices in the Democratic Party calling for a ceasefire, I think those calls are premature and counterproductive. Israel cannot cease fire when there are children as hostages in Gaza, when Hamas and terrorist organization intent on destroying Israel still has military capabilities. Israel has a legitimate military objective uh, to destroy Hamas. It needs to operate under the law of armed conflict, as the president has made clear, and as all evidence suggests, they are. And with regard to taking in the Palestinian refugees or some of those displaced in Gaza, we're talking uh, quite a bit, thousands and thousands. Uh, there's a call on some in Congress to do that. You say what? Take them in or no? Palestinian refugees should be subject to the same asylum and visa processes that uh, all displaced persons are subject to, which includes vetting on security grounds as well as uh, asylum criteria. Now, our immigration system in this country is broken, which is why I'm a sponsor of the Bipartisan Dignity Act, which invests in border security as well as streamlining and rationalizing our asylum and visa processes to fix this immigration system in a bipartisan way so that it works for the American people and so that it works for new Americans. I'm going to get to immigration in just a second, but let me just stick with this, uh, this particular topic. I know you're very angry at the administration at Harvard, your alma mater, for not pushing back hard against the pro-Palestinian protesters and those more than 30 groups at Harvard who signed that letter in support of the Palestinians. Could you square uh, your anger versus their right to protest? It's a, is it a free speech issue, not a free speech issue? Just make it clear for me uh, why you're so disappointed in your, in your alma mater, at least the administration. Harvard students have every right to put their names against statements that I and others find deplorable. That is a First Amendment issue. It's also part of the telos of universities to welcome controversial, even noxious speech. So I have no dispute, and I think no serious person has any dispute with the right of student groups to say anti-Zionist or anti-Semitic things. I do, though, call upon the Harvard administration, the faculty and leadership with the responsibility to impart a moral education to students to unequivocally and forcefully condemn anti-Semitic statements and to condemn anti-Semitic terrorism. That should not be hard. And the failure of Harvard's leadership to do so is moral cowardice. Congress and some of the big donors are closing their checkbook. Do you, do you, can, do you support that? Close the checkbook. Uh, will you stop donating to Harvard as a result of this? Uh, I don't donate to Harvard, and, and I agree with the donors who are closing their checkbooks until that university addresses its anti-Semitism problem. Uh, and that applies to a, a whole range of elite universities that are falling short of their mission. And some of those major donors are saying, give me the list of names. I want to see who was on that, who was on that support list for Palestine. I'm not going to hire them. Uh, would you go that far as to say, I'm not going to hire you as an intern in my office? I'm not going to hire you as a staffer. Do you want a list of names? Yeah, I mean, so doxing individuals, cyber harassment, certainly physical harassment is never acceptable and should not be tolerated. Employers have every right to take into account uh, previous public statements of would-be employees. I certainly would, looking at interns or staffers. I want to know um, how they have presented themselves publicly on issues of note. And I think employers are fully within their right to say that this is not a statement that aligns with our values. Well, if I take it a step further, you would not have a kid interning for you who was on that list of names? You would not hire a staffer who's coming out of Harvard or who supports the Palestinians? Can I, should I take that step or not quite? There's a number of students who are part of groups who never had a chance to actually review that statement. And there are even members of the board of directors of some of those student groups who never had a chance to review those statements and who have since rescinded their imprimatur from it. So if a student still affirmatively supported that statement today, 
Uh, that would be a very heavy consideration for any employment or internship opportunity. But if they said, listen, I never even saw it and I reject what my organization's leadership did, that's another matter. Right. Just a final one or two questions on immigration. You mentioned that. Uh, your governor uh, is begging the White House for help. She is overwhelmed with migrants. She held a news conference the other day saying, I cannot take any more. Uh, has she called you and asked you for help? And what kind of help do you think she ought to get? I've been in close cooperation with the governor as well as state and local officials uh, as the Bay State grapples with this migrant crisis. And there's really two veins of support that the administration is rightfully asking for. And in fact, I'm about to meet with the Secretary of Homeland Security to press the case on both. The first is cutting the red tape around work authorizations because we've got thousands of migrants in Massachusetts who want to work and we have employers who want to hire them. And matching the two will help uh, clear out space in our shelter system as well as boost the Massachusetts economy. Uh, and the second is federal money, uh, both from Department of Education, uh, Health and Human Services, FEMA, for aiding the $45 million a month that the Massachusetts is currently spending on this issue. Um, so we, we need to press Secretary Mayorkas on both these issues. I'm doing so in concert with the delegation. Ultimately, though, this is the responsibility of Congress. Congress has failed to act for 30 years on immigration. And I am a co-sponsor of bipartisan legislation to finally comprehensively fix our immigration system. And I'm calling on House leadership to bring it to the floor for a vote. Final question. In the short term, should Massachusetts undo its right to shelter law? Because that's being cited as a reason for the burden, the right to shelter law. Same thing in New York City. Should that be overturned? There's, there's already legislation uh, up, at, up at the State House to tinker with that right to shelter. Your take on that, and that's our final question, Congressman. No, it should not. Massachusetts has been welcoming refugees for 400 years. I'm proud of that tradition. We're going to continue to do so. And I want to be clear with our viewers what the right to shelter law means. It does not mean that every individual is guaranteed a motel room every single night. What it means is that families with children are guaranteed a safe, dignified place to sleep at night, and we should honor that commitment. And just follow up, the critics say that it was meant for U.S. citizens who are homeless and in need when it came about years ago, not to be applied to the migrant crisis. And I'll give you the last word. It's meant for humans. Congressman Auchincloss, thanks for joining us. Good to be with you.